And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. Game week or almost game. No, it is game week, I should say, but I'll say almost game day, George. Holy cow, we're off to a hot start here on Thursday. Midseason form, Ravens 2-0, Colts 1-1 coming off their win all, all over the Texans. Could be a very interesting game here. We will have you covered from the Ravens perspective in a little bit. Jonas Schaefer of Baltimore Banner will join us to go behind enemy lines to kind of give us a Ravens perspective what to expect another banged up team George the Ravens are kind of like the Texans last week where offensively defensively a lot of injuries could impact the way this game is played some wet weather as well expected in Baltimore could impact the game as well but obviously the biggest thing that will impact this game George right from the Colts perspective is who is under center Anthony Richardson still in concussion protocol, or Gardner Minshew, who did step in nicely in Houston in relief. Now, we're recording this on Thursday morning. As of the moment we're recording this, Anthony Richardson was at practice Wednesday, did not participate. He's in the red jersey, but was not a participant in practice. He was there, at least, which is a good sign. But obviously, George, we kind of talked about this on Tuesday, but just to read it before we go any further in this, this is a, a we expect at least, a decision for Anthony Richardson of who, if he's going to be cleared or not. The earliest, fair to say, we expect the decision is probably Saturday in terms of if he'll be ready to go or if he'll be out. Probably. If he's out, you might get a little bit earlier. There's a possibility that would come Friday, but um, if he's going to play, that probably will wait till Saturday. I mean, we, we talked about it. You can go back and, and check the Tuesday pod. Uh, there was you've got to clear that independent neurologist and that usually happens on Saturday. So that's the last step of the five to get through here. Um, again, you know, every one of these cases is unique. Every one of these players, the way they recover is unique. So it's hard to really put any kind of idea or timetable on it. Uh, but from the Colts standpoint, you know, they've, they've been cautious and, and kind of just really patient this week. Uh, I think that's going to continue. You know, obviously, by the time a lot of people are, are listening to this, they'll know whether or not Richardson practiced Thursday. Uh, but even that is not going to be a definitive kind of a, of a statement here. Uh, if he's out there, it's obviously trending in the right direction. If he's not, there are ways to pass the protocol just playing Friday and uh, or practicing Friday and and uh, going through a contact test on Saturday. So uh, not ideal. Don't know how much you want to do that with a rookie, especially in wet weather in a hostile environment. Uh, but it's still they're all options still on the table for the Colts. And right. And and like I said, especially if he's practicing in full on Friday, let's just say does not guarantee anything in terms of his status on Sunday. So well, obviously you're going to wait and see on his status um, looks to be up in the air for most of the week. And we will not for the most part, get a definitive answer, but either way, George, I don't like, this is, I'm not trying to minimize the quarterback position. All right? I'm not stupid. And, and the listeners, I'm not, thinking you're stupid by saying this. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence by trying to minimize how important the quarterback position is. But whether it is Minshew or whether it is Richardson on uh, Sunday, George, I don't think it matters because for me, the biggest key is going to be, obviously this offensive line, can you get a push against this Ravens defensive line? But also too, look, the weather may impact what I'm about to say. So maybe this is not not, not going to be as much of a, a factor, but you look at this Ravens secondary and how banged up there. And again, we'll have Jonah Schaefer on in a little bit here to give us you know, true health update, but it looks like Marlon Humphrey, at least from our 10,000 foot perspective is not going to play miss the Ravens uh, first two games of the season with a foot injury. He's their best defensive back. They have put another defensive back on IR. Their other defensive back is hurt and or safety did not play as well. Like the Ravens are depleted in the secondary. 
this has to be a game where if you're throwing the ball even a little bit, you got to have Michael Pittman. You got to have Alec Pierce, even whether it's any one of the tight ends. Someone's got to step up here, George. I know last week against the Texans, a little bit more of a committee role where the ball was spread out a ton and no one really had a big dang. In Baltimore against a tough physical defense, someone's got to make a play here. Like if it's not going to be now, again, weather permitting, it's going to be never for this, this skill group. Someone here has to step up and be a playmaker for this offense. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about that uh, going into last week's game too. And I, I think for one of the many reasons it was disappointing to see Richardson leave that game so early is that we didn't really get a good look at, at what that might have looked like against a banged up Houston secondary. I know there's there's a clip going around social media that, that was pretty viral where, you know, Alec Pierce was open and, and uh, Richardson just didn't get to that progression and didn't make the throw. But, you know, that's one that's one snap. Uh, it would have been really interesting to see because it, it felt like the way that game started, it was going to be a big day for Richardson. And you never know. Maybe if he plays the last three quarters, that first quarter was the best of the, of the bunch. And, you know, but uh, going into that game, I think there was a lot of speculation on our part about whether or not they could take advantage of a banged up secondary. And then we just really didn't find out. That's where I do think the quarterback situation and the weather uh, is important this week. Because I think it's more likely that Richardson will take deep shots. It's just not really Minshew's game. You know, he obviously is more likely to, to get through all of his reads. So maybe in that regard, he's more likely to take a deep shot. Uh, but you saw it on Sunday. You know, that that's who he is. He's going to be get the ball out fast, move the ball efficiently, don't put it in harm's way. Um, that That's Gardner Minshew's game. You know, that that's how when he had success with the Jaguars as a rookie – uh, that's how he played then. It, it's how he plays now. Uh, but with Richardson, we've seen it in practice. You see it on his college tape. You know, he he will take those deep shots and he throws a really, really good deep ball. So if he plays and the weather's cooperative to it, uh, this would seem to be another game where, you know, on paper, there's a chance to to dial some of those up. If the weather is nice, right, again, that that could also impact what we're talking about here in a second, at least in terms of skill guys stepping up. But it's like, you look like, I mean, probably the best corner maybe for Baltimore on Sunday is going to be Rocky Seen. We've seen Rocky Seen. Outside of a lot of grabbing, a lot of holding, a lot of pass interference calls, it's not like he's Revis Island 2.0 here. Like if, you're, if, if it's advantageous for passing the ball, George, this has to be a game where if you're Michael Pittman Jr., you're open consistently. You're like 7-11, always open, especially if it is Gardner Minshew at quarterback where you said he is more of a quick throw, but he's a guy who reads the field well. You got to be getting open here, and you got to be getting open consistently. Again, with these injuries, if you're not getting open against second and third stringers, and you're Michael Pittman Jr., you want to get paid, tough to make that case. If you're Alec Pierce, like you said, look, he was open uh, last week, wide open, and missed by Anthony Richardson, that's going to happen. But you know what? Also, get open more consistently. Like That's been, I think, an overall theme for the Colts receivers, especially for the first two weeks, is not getting consistently open. One play, sure, you can get open. But if you're that, if that's the only time you get open, George, you're not doing yourself or your quarterback, especially any favors, whether it's Anthony Richardson or if it's Gardner Minshew. Yeah, and take advantage of when it is there. I think that's one thing uh, through the first couple of weeks the Colts have not done as well as they probably wish that they would is to take advantage of the big play opportunities when they do present themselves. And that's tough. I think it's something with a young quarterback – it takes a while to come because, you know, the, 
that ability to kind of be at your best in the biggest moments is, is what separates the quarterbacks in this league. Uh, taking advantage of that one moment the defense gives you of, of weakness um, is, you know, what honestly, it's one of the biggest differences between like Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, is just right knowing, knowing when and, you know, and not just knowing it, being able to execute in that moment and, and make that big play. Uh, it's, it's what it's just the, the windows, the margins are, are just so tight in this league that it really does just come down to those three or four chances you got. Did you deliver? Um, and the young quarterbacks take a little while to, to, to kind of learn that. And I think it's a process. And that, again, is, is where it's disappointing, you know, that the Richardson wasn't able to finish the game because you, obviously you want him out there as much as you can. You want to give him as many reps as you can. But now this week you got to be extra cautious with him uh, because as much as, yes, get him out there and, and, you know, go through that process and get him that much closer, taking advantage of those three or four moments, um, you also don't want to do anything at any point in his career, but especially at this point in his career, uh, that could have a long-term effect on it. You know, and and have a situation here where a bad situation becomes even worse. So I think the Colts are going to be smart about it. They, they've been historically really careful with with these cases with concussions. I don't th- think there's any reason for them to change that approach here. And it does. There's no indication that they're going to. Um, but there's a lot. I mean, there's so many storylines coming into this game. Just in Richardson alone, there's so much here. You know, the, the balance, the risk reward here. You know, should you should you get him out there and, and get him an opportunity in a really tough environment uh, against a really good defense to, to go out there and you know get more reps, or are you better off letting him take this week off and come back next week at home against the Rams? You know, hopefully 100. We'll see. I also wonder how much Ryan Kelly's situation plays into this. You know, we, we don't know. Where he's out in the protocol, progressing well uh, from Shane Sykin. That was a shocking statement on Wednesday. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, but the fact that your starting center might not play, does that impact the coaching staff's decision on Richardson? We'll see. I know it's always tough because, again, concussions are very ambiguous. But at least in the sense of Ryan Kelly, I don't think it's a good sign for him playing on Sunday that for the fact that he just wasn't visible at practice. Right? Neither him nor Richardson participated in practice on Wednesday, but Richardson was at least present. He's on the field. He was in the locker room. He's around the team, which again, everyone's different, but you just would think on the surface that would indicate Richardson is progressing well, as Steichen would say, to steal a line from him and doing better than Ryan Kelly. If Kelly wasn't even at practice and even just visible around the team, which again, George, we talked about on Tuesday's pod, but now, especially since we know that Richardson nor Kelly practiced on Wednesday, I just don't see the benefit or the upside of playing Richardson on Sunday, especially when you look at the weather, where, again, we believe it should be wet and it should be a good amount of rain in Baltimore, which would mean more running, right? And it, more running would mean you'd run your quarterback, if he's out there, in Richardson more, which he ran 10 times a week, number one, ran three times in his limited time in four drives a week, number two, you would think he's going to get a good amount of carries then in week three at the Ravens. So you're going to put the ball in his hands a good amount. He's going to be running. He's coming off a concussion, George, with your center. Most likely, we believe, I'm going to say at least right now as we record this on Thursday, most likely not going to play. I just don't see the benefit, George. I don't see how in a guy who made two career starts with so much still ahead of him, how it makes sense 
um, and it's more of a benefit to play him in week number three than is a detriment to sit him for one game. I just, to me, at this point, makes too much sense to have him sit back, let Minshew run the ship for a week, and have him come back for a week, hopefully week number four, healthy and ready to go fully. We've said since before the draft, when we didn't even know who the quarterback was going to be, that the primary you know goal for this this season should be developing whoever that quarterback is. And certainly once it was Richardson, we've said repeatedly, he's the most important aspect of this season, developing him, getting him at the end of the year to where you feel really good about, you know, who he is as a player. And so far, all signs have been incredibly positive. You can make an argument. He's been the best of the rookie quarterbacks so far, uh, even with him not playing very much in, in week two. Um, but I, I do think, you know, in this case, you can make a really strong argument that it's better for his development not to play. I know that normally that's not not the case. You know, get him out there, get the reps, but you could make a case right now uh, that it's better for his development to, to watch Gardner Minshew uh, run this offense from the sideline and to heal and be, you know, more full go because development's not just experience. It's not just getting those reps on the field. It's doing everything, you know, every aspect of him as a player and a person, improving all of it, putting him in the best place going forward. Uh, and you make a really strong argument that that the best place for him going forward this week is is the sideline. I like the line of um, development is not just getting experience. Because I think you're right. Because also, too, if you look at the game plan, right, if, if what we think is going to happen in a sense that's going to be a wet day and you're probably going to miss your center – Again, that would lead on the surface to think, well, okay, they got no Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, which means, look, Zach Moss had a good week too. But again, we're talking about a guy with 18 carries for 88 yards, not exactly Walter Payton. So if you're going to exploit the run game and rely on the run game a lot, you're going to do it with multiple runners and you're going to do it with right now the best runner on your team, which is Anthony Richardson. Is it really beneficial with a guy coming off a concussion, George, to run him 10 times in a wet and slippery field? I don't think that helps the development. Like to your point, it's not just about experience on the field. It's game plan as well. If the Colts want Richardson and really are going to try to develop him to be kind of like what the Ravens are doing right now with Lamar Jackson, where it is more of a pocket guy. Like you're going to use your legs, obviously, but they don't want him to be a 50-50 run half the time, pass half the time. If they want it to be, let's just say an 80-20 balance where you're still having Richardson throw the ball a majority of the time, a, a large part of the time, for the Colts to have success, and then when he has to run or call a few runs here and there sprinkled in, okay, fine, you know, keep the defense honest. If that's what the Colts and Shane Second ultimately want Richardson to be, then having him run the ball or missing a game, I should say, where he runs the ball primarily and is not much of a passer because of the conditions, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world whatsoever and hurts his development whatsoever. No, you know, and that's important. I also think it's important to note with Richardson, his natural inclination is, is to be a thrower. You know, I think as dangerous as he is with his legs, um, he stands in the pocket. He, he maneuvers in the pocket really well. He's looking downfield. He wants to throw more than he wants to run. And and so I think um, that's another thing where does that work against him a little bit in these kind of in this kind of environment? Will he uh, on the plays where it's up to him? Will he decide, you know, to throw um, in maybe poor conditions uh, instead of taking off and running? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see that to me, though, is one of the ironies of the fact that he hasn't finished those first two games. You go back and you look at his Florida tape and you look at the way he played in the preseason, what he's done in practice. 
this is a guy who wants to play from the pocket, not necessarily play from the pocket, wants to be more of a passer than a runner. He wants to be known for his ability to throw the football. Uh, and he wants to make big plays, big explosive plays, you know, through the air. So um, it's just ironic that, that, you know, he's been banged up on a couple of runs early on. Uh, but you look at, at the at the league, you know, the history of this league, whether it's Michael Vick, um, any of the guys, Randall Cunningham, who were, you know, primarily known as as for what they did with their legs younger, the ones that lasted, the ones that, that have longer careers transitioned into more of a, of a passing quarterback. Uh, you see Baltimore kind of working on that with, with Lamar Jackson now. I don't think it's going to be a tough transition for Richardson. I think it's something that he prefers anyway. Right. I, I'm with you there. I'm 100% with you there. Like I said, you watch the Florida tape. It's, it is him. When, if he's rolling out and escaping the pocket, it's still keeping his eyes down the field and trying to throw first instead of kind of frankly being like Justin Fields, where we've seen in Chicago, where it's one read. Oh, it's not there. Let me tuck it and run it and look to make a play with my legs. Richardson has been a guy where it feels like when it's not a designed run call, right, has been a guy that says, okay, I'll run if I have to. If the pass is there, I'm going to make the pass. And like I said, with Lamar Jackson, another example of a guy who is elite dual threat capabilities that now has not been able to finish seasons. And they said, you know what? We're going to make you more of a pocket passer and cut down on the runs. We'll get into a little bit more of that, of, of the Ravens offense um, and what Lamar's transition is looking like with Jonah Schaefer when he joins us here in a little bit. Can I talk about that? But we talked a lot, obviously a lot about the offense, George, for the Colts, and obviously depends on who is quarterback, Richardson or Minshew. But either way, it looks, because of the weather, it looks more of a ground-and-pound game, which also brings up the question, George. Look, Zach Moss obviously was a huge beacon of light in week number two. And again, had a really solid game, 88 yards, 18 carries, and a score. But also, if this is going to be a game where it is going to be mostly on the ground because of the rain, also, George, they can't rely on then one running back to handle majority of the carries, especially... Either way, if Richardson's in or not, because you want to limit his, you know, again, limit the amount of hits he takes. But especially if it's Minshew and there's no threat of the quarterback run. I mean, right now, if Zach Moss needs a blow and they got to get a second running back in there, I mean, is it is it crazy to say Trey Sermon, who they just signed, George, is going to be like RB2 for this weekend? Like, who the hell, it's a, it's a guess right now, but who the hell is running the ball if it's not Zach Moss on Sunday? I mean, RB2 for, for the one snap. Last week was Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, that, t- that tells you a lot about where they're at, you know, Holy cow. In, in this depth chart. Um, and you see the fact that they brought Tyler Goodson in two weeks ago. They brought in Trey Sermon this week. Uh, they're obviously still trying to work things through at that position. Um, could Sermon be called up on game day and, and be, you know, that, that second back? Certainly. He knows Shane Sykin's offense. He was there in Philly with him for a little while. Uh, so I think that's, you know, that gives him a little bit of an advantage. He's, he's played in this scheme before. Is he going to get 25 carries? No. Uh, but I think it's important to get, like you said, to get that rest. I mean, you go back to Edron James, who was playing in a different era. He wasn't taking 56 out of 57 offensive snaps. I mean, that is an insane number, uh, and it's not sustainable, no. uh, especially for a guy like Zach Moss, who's, who's more of a tank you know, a very physical running back who's going to run to contact, who's going to uh, be in even more collisions than maybe the average running back is going to be. If they wear him down like this, you know, it it doesn't lead to good places. No, it does not. And it's just, again, obviously underscores the lack of depth or and also injuries having a part of that too, but also production. Like 
we're talking about before if Deion Jackson's fumbling twice and also not running officially anyway in week number one in a dome with perfect conditions in the rain in Baltimore. I don't say you could feel confident with him whatsoever. And like you said, the fact that Zach Moss played all but one offensive snap and from in terms of rushes from a running back took every single handoff given to a running back. It shows you the confidence of uh, in Deion Jackson is, is none is zero. And again, if you're not giving him one carry in Houston last week where the addition, uh, the conditions were ideal, I don't see how if you're Shane Sykin, you go into week three here thinking, all right, if we need Zach Moss to give him a rest and we can't ride him the whole game, which is not, like I said, sustainable or realistic, I don't see Shane Sykin be like, yeah, we feel great about Deion Jackson. We're going to give him seven carries on Sunday. I think it has to be, whether it's Goodson, even, I mean, honestly, I don't think it's crazy to think Trey Sermon can get a few carries. I think he's more of an explosive back. And even though he's tough, does give you a little bit more game-breaking breaking ability than than Moss. And I mean, honestly, George, not to undermine the complexity of a playbook, but from a running back perspective, can't be that hard to learn a few rushing plays in three or four days leading to Sunday's game. I think they can make it happen. Yeah. I mean, you, you've seen it happen before. You know, I think um, Kenyon Drake may get caught up for Baltimore. So, I mean, it, it could be on both sides of that in that regard. Um, you know, running backs can come in and, and have an impact pretty quickly as long as they're in condition, as long as, as, long as they get their football legs under them. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I don't know the lack of trust that this team has in the backup running backs is pretty plainly obvious on Sunday, just from the number of carries that Zach Moss got coming himself off a long layoff. Uh, you know, and, and we were talking on, on the last pod or last week, you know, well, if he does play, is he going to get the full load? No way we thought he was going to have you know, every carry by a running back that, that wasn't even in anywhere in my mind. And I know it wasn't in yours either. Uh, yeah. It just tells you, you know, that Deion Jackson, Jake Funk, they're not feeling real confident in, in those two. Uh, so yeah, I mean, could Trey Sermon be worked in? Could Tyler Goodson be worked in? It's very possible. Uh, and I think it's almost necessary because again, uh, this is not sustainable and it's, it's not something you don't want to run Zach Moss into the ground because as you've seen uh, the other alternatives are, are not really ideal we'll get to jonah schaefer of baltimore banner in one second but last thing i want to throw out there is this like you mentioned both teams right now the ravens and the colts are working with second and third string running backs right no jk dobbins for the ravens obviously no jonathan taylor for the colts it looks like justice hill uh the back primary backup for baltimore could miss the game on sunday and obviously for the culture right now we're talking about zach moss and no one else so it's gus edwards for the ravens um, Moss for the Colts and question marks everywhere else on both sides, running back depth wise, this has to come. This is going to come down to the offensive lines. And if you're the Colts, I know it looks like Ryan Kelly probably won't play still a chance, but probably won't play. Let's just say air on the side of caution, but if you're the Ravens, they're missing their center, Tyler Linderbaum. They're missing their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley. This again, and the Colts have been an elite run team so far, at least in terms of blocking the first two weeks. The rushing sacks, especially week one, won't back that up. But blocking-wise, analytically, they've been a great block rush-blocking team. This favors on Sunday, George, the Colts' offensive line performing better than right now the Ravens' offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think the number two storyline that, that we were talking about coming into this year, number one was quarterback. We talked about that several times. And number two was the offensive line. Can they bounce back? Uh, really good signs from them in the first two weeks. 
Now, you know, playing a full game without Ryan Kelly, we'll, we'll test that. There's no question. And we've been worried about the depth on offensive line. That, that, that's been a topic of conversation for a long time. Uh, so that'll be something to watch definitely on Sunday. But I think the early indications are are really positive with this offensive line having a back, bounce back season. And I think Tony Sperano Jr. deserves a, a lot of credit for that. He does. He absolutely does. And like you said, Wesley French deserves a lot of credit for coming in in the second half and performing well um, in place of Ryan Kelly. Now, a little bit different test. Houston's defensive line versus Baltimore's defensive line. But so far early on, nice test pass uh, in week number two. But like I said, it's going to be a whole different challenge here in week number three if Ryan Kelly cannot go. We'll give you our game picks here in a little bit. Not to brag, George. We are hot. 2-0 to start the year. New year, new us when it comes to picks. We'll see if we can go 3-0 and give you our picks as the Ravens are favored by 7.5 points on Sunday's matchup. But when we return, time to go behind enemy lines, talk about this Ravens rush attack, talk about Lamar Jackson's new style of play, and talk about the Ravens secondary. Banged up. We'll do so with Jonah Schaefer of Baltimore Banner when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. All right, time to go behind enemy lines. We do welcome in Jonas Schaefer. Does a great job covering the Ravens for Baltimore Banner. Jonas, appreciate you giving us a few minutes here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Let's start with this because we've heard a lot of changes with the Ravens this offseason where they change offense coordinators, now bring in Todd Munkin, go, you know, I should say spend a lot of resources in the offseason and the draft of free agency, bringing in different wide receivers. There's a concerted effort, right, to make Lamar Jackson, I guess, more of a passer. So we've seen it through a little bit through two games here, but going into week three here, should Colts fans expect Lamar Jackson to be more of a pocket passer than maybe the usual dual threat quarterback we've seen him before? Yeah, I think that's a fair expectation. I, I think when Munkin was hired and when they made these investments of wide receiver, uh, not to poke at a scab for Colts fans, but I think there was this expectation mm -hmm. that Every Sunday would look like that Ravens comeback win over the Colts two years ago in prime time where, you know, he was just lighting up the Colts. He was dropping back to pass every single time. It was a three-step drop, five-step drop, boom. He would get the ball out. They've been pretty balanced on, on offense so far. Uh, but it has been interesting to your point about, you know, the dual threat nature of them. There hasn't been a whole lot of read option stuff. They've, they've used that when they've had to, but um, for the most part, he's done his damage with his legs as a scrambler when he's just had to, you know, make that second play when he's had to get outside of structure uh, because the first read isn't there. The second read isn't there. And, you know, it's Lamar time. He's, he's got to go and do his thing. So I think there is a concerted effort to get him more comfortable in the passing game. And with that comes uh, more reps as a drop back passer, uh, so far, at least, you know, there have been fewer read option stuff. Maybe they're kind of holding that for the bigger games, the playoffs, where he's a little bit more vulnerable, where, you know, those injury concerns are a little bit more exposed when you're putting yourself out there, you know, getting possibility of rammed by 280-pound defensive ends. But he, he's looked more like a conventional quarterback, and I think that's something that Ravens fans have long, long dreamed of. Uh, one thing that I'm wondering about is, you know, the, the Ravens' offensive line is a little bit banged up or it has been so far. And I know the injury report on, on Wednesday uh, still reflects that the Colts defensive line has probably been the strength of the team so far, just from the Baltimore perspective, uh, what do they, what does that defensive line look like and, and what are they expecting on Sunday? Yeah. I mean, I think with how bad the initial injuries to Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle and Tyler Linderbaum looked, uh, it was probably a bit of a relief to Ravens fans, not to see them go on IR. Um, 
as you said, they didn't practice on Wednesday and it's probably tough to imagine them getting ready in a you know, matter of a couple of days for that game against uh, Indianapolis on Sunday. Uh, it's a, it's a sprain for both of them, a knee sprain and an ankle sprain. So not a minor injury in the least. Uh, but you're right. I think uh, Indianapolis on paper should have the advantage there in, in the run game. Um, but I thought that that would also be the case against Cincinnati, which obviously has, you know, a couple of great edge setters there and, and Hendrickson and Hubbard and DJ readers, one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. And they ended up rolling for, you know, 107, 170, 180 rushing yards, obviously like 50 of which came on scrambles from Lamar or 40 of which something thereabouts. So um, it, it's tough to say uh, exactly where they stand, but just looking at the metrics for Indianapolis and that run defense is super, super impressive. I mean, you know, we have access to true media, and I think the Colts are averaging like 0.5 yards before contact on run plays, which is absurd. The only team that's better than you guys is uh, the Browns, uh, which is in the negatives, which is incredible considering just how god-awful they were last year. But uh, it's it's a really, really fun, athletic run defense. I mean, John Harbaugh was raving about the linebackers. Uh, they really liked, uh, you know, Grover Stewart uh, coming out of the, the draft, apparently. Uh, so I think if if Indianapolis can, you know, win the battle there and force the Ravens into a, a lot in third longs where they can dial up some pressure packages, and that's where Lamar Jackson can really struggle. So that's going to be a really, really fun battle to monitor on Sunday. George just mentioned the injuries on the offensive line, Jonas, but you look in the secondary too for Baltimore, another banged up uh, position group, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, both didn't play on Sunday, both didn't practice at least on Wednesday. You had our Darius Washington as well going on. IR. So there's a lot of a lot of bodies missing right now from that secondary. I don't know if you have any plays left in you on Sunday if the Ravens might call you up, but who could Colts fans be seeing in this secondary on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it's uh just like with the Colts secondary, it's a lot of no names, at least at that cornerback <laughs> spot. Uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton is obviously a pretty well known uh safety at this point with him being a stud at Notre Dame and first round pick last year who really flashed. Um, but he you know, he's playing more as a deep safety this year. He was uh, basically their their go-to slot guy last year. That's that's changed. But, you know, next to him uh, is Geno Stone, who had that really, really impressive red zone pick on Joe Burrow on Sunday. But when you get to the cornerbacks, it's a bit of a mix of guys who are either young or unproven or coming back from injury. You know, it's probably going to be I, – I would imagine Brandon Stevens is uh, their main option to cover someone like Michael Pittman, just because of his, uh, you know, strength, speed, athletic profile. Um, he was a guy who was, at least on plan was to transition him to safety uh, this this training camp. And then, you know, he's always had that versatility. So they knocked him back to cornerback when his injuries started popping up. I don't think we'll see Marlon Humphrey because, again, he was not out there practicing on Wednesday. On the other corner, it's probably going to be uh, former Colt Rockestein uh, mixed with a little bit of Ronald Darby, who's, you know, less than a year removed from an ACL injury that knocked him out of that Denver Broncos season. Um, with our Darius Washington gone, it's probably going to be Arthur Mollett, who was the Steelers' primary slot cornerback last year. So um, it, it's really a defense that I think has to be better than the sum of its part. They've got a great, great coordinator in Mike McDonald, and, and their great run defense means that they don't have to contribute as many bodies as maybe other teams would to that front end to, to feel secure in the back end. So uh, obviously they did a pretty good job against Joe Burrow um, and and that talented passing core in Cincinnati. And obviously it's a bit of a step down for the Colts, especially if Anthony Richardson can't go. But, you know, you look at the after the catch ability of, of someone like Michael Pittman, obviously that 
really impressive catch and run touchdown in week one. And then, you know, Alec Pierce is a big body who can, you know, go over maybe some of these smaller Ravens cornerbacks if he gets a favorable matchup. So uh, I, I know they're, you know, very, very respectful of what the Colts have on, on paper and uh, they're definitely not going to overlook them. But it, it's interesting to see where they might be emotionally coming off such a big, big win on Sunday. You, uh, you kind of touched on a little bit, obviously, quarterback situation here, unclear. Uh, don't know if Richardson's going to start or if Minshew's going to. Uh, but historically, everybody talks about New England and, and what kind of troubles they cause for rookie quarterbacks. Is Baltimore underrated in that? Do they get enough credit? I mean, I feel like they throw so many different looks. It seems to me that the Ravens might be, if the Patriots are, are the number one team a rookie quarterback doesn't want to face, the Patriots might be, the Ravens might be 1A. Yeah, the, the numbers uh, for rookie quarterbacks, especially in Baltimore, are not good. You know, we, this is kind of top of mind because C.J. Stroud is just, you know, two weeks off coming from a uh, coming off a trip to Baltimore. So did a lot of research. I think the numbers are something like two and 15 for rookie quarterbacks in Baltimore. You know, efficiency wise, they are basically worse than uh, Colt McCoy, uh, 2022 Colt McCoy uh, on average. So it's not pretty. You know, they, they throw a lot of picks they're sacked a lot uh efficiency wise which is absolutely terrible uh but there's not a lot of rookie quarterbacks or there's never been a rookie quarterback who's built like anthony richardson and i, I think it was a maybe surprise to me at least to see you know that colts offensive line after what was a pretty troubling last year you know cpff have them i think number six in like their offensive line rankings uh, going into this week obviously with kelly and, and maybe nelson out that would definitely take a hit but I think a big problem for a lot of these rookie quarterbacks is they don't have great offensive lines. And if Indianapolis is healthy and if it has the, you know, kind of defense mitigating force that is Anthony Richardson, then it might not matter as much. And Anthony Richardson might have a real shot of coming out of Baltimore with a win again, if he's healthy enough to play. Whether it is Richardson, whether it is Minshew, Jonas, what's the biggest challenge go to against this Ravens defense you think in week three? I think it probably is just, you know, can you make this Ravens defense commit enough numbers to the run game that, you know, they are vulnerable in the back end? That, that you know, this is a, a Ravens defense that is fine just, you know, playing with light boxes and having those two deep safeties. So you have some more security on, you know, those go balls and those corner routes and all the stuff that, you know, modern passing offices now look for in terms of explosives. But, you know, they, they have two great, great linebackers in Roquan Smith and uh patrick queen the defensive line is pretty stout although it looks like they probably will be without dafe Owe, who's i think probably their top outside linebacker at this point so uh you know you worry about some of the wear and tear there especially with Devian and Clowney's injury history but this is a group that you know like in uh, like 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 indianapolis has about a has a bunch of butt kickers up front and if they can force indianapolis into second and nines and third and six just because there's not a lot there and if they can, you know, hustle and rally to the ball and stop some of the, the screen games and RPOs that, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew relied upon uh, a lot last week. And I think they'll feel pretty good. I mean, it was it was interesting to me just to dig into the stats. I think Gardner Minshew attempted just four passes beyond 10 yards uh, on, on Sunday. And I think the Ravens will be fine. That's the diet that they're going to get uh, in week three. Uh, last one for me. I saw Lamar earlier this week kind of brushed off the questions about the last meeting and the comeback. Obviously, uh, that one's going to be remembered in both cities for a while. Uh, but, you know, he said this is a new week, a new year and and you're moving forward. But does that game, the fact that, that the Colts came in and, and pushed them, 
Does it limit the chances? I know you look right now, Baltimore, I think is eight point favorites. Does it limit the chances of the Ravens overlooking the Colts in any way uh, this week? Um, it's a good question. I mean, Lamar's never really been one to focus too much on the past. So if the offense is taking its cue from him, then they don't have to worry too much about what happened back in 2021. And defensively, Roquan Smith was also not on that Ravens defense. And again, he is their spiritual leader. So you don't worry too much about, you know, what what, what might happen there. Um it's really tough to, to know what the, the the makeup of this Ravens team is, guys. I mean, like last year, they were really good for in a lot of games for three quarters, and then come the fourth quarter, they collapsed. And that these these past two weeks, they've done a pretty good job of holding on. Not, you know, they haven't been elite at just kicking these teams out of the gym, but they've done a pretty good job. And um, I, I think you know Indianapolis, if they don't have Richardson, will probably be not as talented as as you know Houston. Or, or definitely uh, Cincinnati. So um, I think they are in a good place mentally. I think that they have a, a good coach who knows how to push the right buttons. Um, and I think for, for a lot of those guys, that, that primetime game against the Colts was just a fever dream. I mean, so many incredible things happen from just the horrific start to the blocked kick to the you know two-point conversion. I think it was late that one. So uh, for, for a lot of these guys, I think it's probably just a memory. And um, frankly, haven't really heard it brought up too often in the locker room. Now, it's always kind of a futile effort to project weather going forward, right? Because things change on a dime. But at least right now, Jonas, it looks to be wet in the Baltimore area on Sunday. If the predictions that we're seeing now, at least on Thursday morning, which again is, is still far away, but if they're true and it is going to be a wet Sunday here, who does that favor in this matchup, you think? Um, I think if Richardson is available and probably am just because <laughs> I would personally not want to try to tackle a six, <laughs> four, 245 pound guy running a four for 40 uh, in the rain. That just does not sound all that appealing to me. And, you know, this, this Ravens linebacker crew, Patrick Queen, very fast, very instinctive, but he, he does have a habit of, of missing some tackles. The, the secondary uh, doesn't have, isn't blessed with great size or, or great tacklers, especially with Marcus Williams out. So, so you do worry about, maybe some athletic deficiencies there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, the, the Ravens, Lamar has, I believe, struggled in the past throwing in the rain, just like any quarterback would. I don't know how, mm -hmm. how often Richardson might have played in the rain uh, down in the SEC. So uh, I guess it's a little bit of a question mark with him too. But, yeah, I think I think the rain would uh, would definitely narrow the, the talent gap between these teams just because of maybe some of the strengths that it would amplify and some of the negatives that it would, cover up but again that's just a shot in the dark i really don't have a, a scientific answer for you guys and finally jonas vegas right now has this game as a seven and a half point spread ravens obviously the favorite at home when it's all said and done you expecting a ravens win here by more than a score i think probably six or seven is where i would feel comfortable with this one i mean i know they've they've uh surpassed my expectations score wise for the first two weeks but I just think with what Indianapolis presents defensively, especially that run defense and, you know, the just the, the really impressive scheme that Shane Steichen has been able to to put on tape uh, these first two weeks, I think uh, explosive plays are definitely on the table for the Colts if they get the right, get the Ravens the right matchup. So I think something like, you know, 2014 with, you know, maybe a late score from Indianapolis making it closer than it seems is what I'm feeling. Uh but again, like a loss would, would not shock me considering 
just where the Ravens were emotionally in the locker room, hooting and hollering after that win in Cincinnati. And again, uh, just the, the really, really capable hands that, that Gardner Minshew would bring to the Colts if, uh, if they Richardson can't go on Sunday. Jonas Schaefer does a tremendous job covering the Ravens for Baltimore Banner. Jonas, thanks so much for the time here. Enjoy the game on Sunday. If it's raining, stay dry and appreciate you coming behind enemy lines with us. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Interesting stuff there from uh, from Jonas there, George, especially considering, like, look, obviously that was a big win for the Ravens in week two against the Bengals. Obviously, right, division rival, you're 2-0. They are the reigning AFC North champs, and obviously they have been one of the gold standards in the AFC. I did not, honestly, going into this game, expect letdown, especially with John Harbaugh being a really good head coach, but Jonas is right that they kind of went all in in week two in this game, and now you're kind of feeling yourself. Colts have an opportunity here, George, to kind of go in and shock some people. That's a huge game for the Ravens. I mean, you look at the recent history between them and the Bengals. I think it was a third time in like a nine-month span that they had played in Cincinnati. The Bengals knocked them out of the playoffs last year. Uh, you had all that controversy with the, the coin toss and, you know, all the things that were going on uh, to determine the division. So That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, understandable why that feels like such a huge win on Baltimore's side of the ledger. I mean, it, you know, Steelers are probably always going to be their their number one uh, foe. You know, th that that's the big rivalry. But the Bengals seem to be like moving into that 1A spot with them, you know, where where it's – uh, a massive game. And I think anytime you put that much emotion into a contest, uh, naturally the next one, there's a little bit of letdown. It's, it's impossible in this league to, to be that high for 18 weeks. You just can't do it. Um, but I also wonder, and that's where, you know, the question I asked the last time they played the Colts, the Colts, you know, took it to them and, and they needed a lot of things to go right. They needed a miraculous comeback. Does that limit the, you know, the letdown. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because you would think the way that the Colts defensive line has played, the way the last meeting went, uh, that, that the Colts would still have their attention. But at the same time, human nature tells you they're, they're not going to be on the same sort of adrenaline rush that they were in Cincinnati. And you would think, too, whether it's Anthony Richardson, you know, coming off a concussion and they've already seen a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud in week number one and made his life hell, or Gardner Minshew, who's been a lifetime backup. Like, again, that's, I think, an, an easy area if you're the Ravens. Like, oh, we just beat Joe Burrow in his own house with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and there's no Jamar Chase on the Colts, and who even knows who their quarterback is, but neither of them are Joe Burrow. Like, I think you're right. I think it's easy if you're Baltimore to be like, oh, we'll throw our jack traps on the field and we'll win this one and get out of Dodge and go to 3-0. and This is a spot where if you're the Colts, I think a fast start here definitely should be to your advantage, right? If you think if they are a little bit hungover from that win last week against the Bengals that a slow start should then happen for the Ravens, which should open the door for the Colts. If they're going to be in this game, start fast, just like you did in Houston, start fast right away, go down the field, get a touchdown, get a stop on defense and kind of tell everyone we are here, George, we are here and something going in their favor could be the weather. Now I get it. Look, we're recording this on Thursday morning. The game's on Sunday, right? Like we are not weathermen, but we basically could be George with our picks last year, how wrong they were and how wrong the weathermen usually are. Our percentages match up in terms of uh, correct, correctly predicting uh, what's going to happen. But looking at these right now, 92% chance of rain on Saturday, 81% chance of rain in Baltimore on Sunday. It looks to be a wet weekend in Maryland. If that's the case, I think Jonas is right, by the way. 
I think this is going to be one of those games where the rain could be a great equalizer, even though the Ravens have more talent. They are banged up. And the Colts are, again, for the most part, relatively healthy going into this game, especially in the areas that, you know, matter in the trenches. Uh, for the most part, this should be a game where if it is wet and if it is one of those soggy games and throwing the ball is not ideal, this should be a game. I mean, call me crazy. Am I crazy or George think the Colts have the advantage going into this game if it is going to be one of those wet and, and I was going to say wet and wild, wet and slippery sort of games here? I don't know if I if I go as far as that they definitely have the advantage, but it it, it evens things up. I mean, I think what Jonah said, you know, it, it 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 narrows that talent gap, and I think especially when you look at like you were talking about some of the Colts' strengths, um, that defensive line, that front seven in general, the way they're playing, uh, you would think that that the rain is, is going to be welcome to them. Um, they they got sort of that throwback. I mean, we need some photos now of like Franklin or Buckner or Stewart with with the mud dripping off the helmet. You know it. They, they have that throwback feel to them right now. Uh, and I think that would, would definitely lean in their favor. And then, you know, the, the comment that he made about not wanting to tackle Anthony Richardson in the rain, I don't think it's that much fun to try to tackle Anthony Richardson when it's not raining. You know, right. at Lucas Oil Stadium in, in you know, climate-controlled environment, it's not that much fun to try to, to tackle Anthony Richardson. Uh, but in the rain in particular, I mean, I, the only thing I can think of is, you know, do you want, from a Colts perspective – do you want to go down to Nashville and tackle Derrick Henry in the rain? Probably not. So that I think I, I don't know how it can lessen, you know, the gap. And also, I wonder, you know, one of the big advantages the Ravens have at home, and one of the reasons that the Ravens are so tough for rookie quarterbacks to play when they're they're at home is that crowd. It gets incredibly loud there. Michael Pittman was talking about it this week because uh, obviously he was there for that that primetime game. Uh, the, the atmosphere in general is a little crazy there. The strobe lights before the game, they won't now because it's not a primetime game, but uh, although I guess it gets dark enough of the rain that, you know, it could be a vantage for them to do that. But, you know, that crowd, the energy that they bring, the way that the team feeds off of that, maybe the rain lessens that a little bit too. People generally aren't quite as rowdy, you know, when, when it's raining. I don't know. It, it could even be a factor there. Certainly what you talked about at, at the top of this segment would be, though. I think it's another reason for the Colts to come with their own energy and their own fast start, uh, because the better they play early, the better chance they have of taking the crowd out of the game. And, and I think that's a critical factor here as well. You're right, too. Soggy conditions, not ideal tailgating conditions. So maybe the crowd's a little less lubed up, a little less rowdy to start the game. And like you said, too, you start like that's another area to open up and kind of take the air out of the stadium right away with a nice drive, either getting a three out defensively or getting a good drive and a scoring drive on offense to start the game. They could really get themselves in this game within the first five or 10 minutes of the first quarter and really kind of plant their flag. And frankly, George, they should like they, whether they win the game or not, we'll give you our predictions here in a little bit. It's a different story, but I think it'd be a disappointment, George, if they are not out to a fast start in this first quarter. That, that's got to be the goal coming in. I mean, so far, Shane Steichen has shown a good job getting this team ready to go right out of the gate. You know, they, they've looked good against both Jacksonville and Houston early. Uh, this is going to be a, another real difficult test. And we, we've talked several times before that schedule as a whole is not that daunting. There are definitely worse schedules across the NFL than the one the Colts face now. But a lot of the tough games for this team come early. And this is, I think, one of the toughest ones, you know, at least on paper, uh, because of how tough Baltimore can be of a road opponent. 
does the fact that they're two and oh now that they're coming off a big win, you know, that, and it's just imperative that, that Steichen continues his, his early trend here of, of having this team hyped up and ready to go. Um, probably even more so if Minshew is the quarterback, uh, because I think, you know, Richardson's going to be able to do things throughout the game. Minshew is, is a guy that I think is going to need to get in that rhythm, to get in that flow. Uh, and, Obviously, that's easier to do if you, if you start that way than if you try to pick it up, you know, in the middle of the game. And like you said, too, through two games, Sykin's done a great job of getting this team off to a good start and getting things rolling. So, especially with Minshew, I think you're right about that. Like, if we, like, I think regardless of the quarterback, you should expect a fast start. But especially if it's Minshew having a little bit more of a veteran presence, you can easily script the game plan to, again, fit his strengths, make some easy throws, whether the weather's good or not. And relying your offensive line early against a banged up defensive line and, and really especially banged up secondary uh, against Baltimore here to get off to a good start and put your team in favorable situations. We know, especially last year, that was an, uh, an area Frank Reich struggled in to start games where they were really slow out of the gate. So far, like I said, it's been a, a good start so far offensively. This team starting, the, the finishing has been a little bit of a different story, though. Again, last week, we kind of talked about score. Time and score kind of dictated that fourth quarter uh in houston more than just you know anything else but yeah if you're like if you're the coach george like this should be a game where you definitely start off fast and hopefully we could see a little bit better performance in the fourth quarter than we did one other note here that's interesting because again we've talked about the last game they played against the ravens we've seen obviously lamar jackson a ton winning the mvp being one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl there is an offensive change and we just heard jonas talk about before like the ravens are trying to make lamar jackson more of a pocket passer Maybe that changes George with the weather. And maybe if it's a wet and windy day, maybe then they just resort to, you know what? One game will, will run him more and make him look like the old Lamar Jackson compared to being more of a pocket passer, but no JK Dobbins, right? Their top running back out for the year with an Achilles injury. Um, it looks like also their other starting, um, the other starting running back. Um, oh boy. Now I'm blanking 43. Holy cow. Went to Oklahoma say this is this is terrible. Uh, Justice Hill. I was going to say, it's going to come to me eventually. Justice Hill did not practice on Wednesday, so it does not look like he could play. So your top two running backs could be out of the game in a wet game on Sunday, George. This should be, even if Lamar Jackson is running a little bit more, still an offense that should not, for Baltimore that is, not be explosive and not hang a 40 spot like they did the last time these two teams met. Yeah, and I think also, you know, in Jackson's case, his running ability, a lot of it's speed, speed-based. He's not a big guy. He's not a True. power guy. Uh, you know, when, when he gets out and, and really gashes teams, it, it's with that elite speed. Uh, and you would think a wet track, a, a muddy track, would, would again favor the Colts in, in that environment. So, um, you know, we'll see how it works out. Because all those things we just said, the last time they played, the Colts had a huge lead in, in the third quarter. Uh, you would think that would favor the Colts as well, and it turned in a hurry. Uh, and you feel like Baltimore is always hostile for every visitor, especially so for the Colts. I know it's been 40 years since the team moved. It doesn't matter. That crowd still absolutely despises the Colts. For the longest time, they wouldn't put Indianapolis on the scoreboard there. That's changed the last couple of years. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's – a real, I don't know if the players feel that way anymore. I mean, obviously none of them were around for this. Uh, the coaching staff, you know, it's been 40 years. Nobody uh, has really got that connection anymore, but the city feels it. And I think that energy 
um, definitely hovers over. I've only been there once for for a Colts Ravens battle, and it was 2017, late in the year when obviously the Colts were struggling mightily that season. Uh, but even then, the game was close, and and you could tell, um, you know, even in a season where the Colts were not competitive uh, overall, those fans were out for blood. As Deion Sanders famously says, it's personal. <laughs> it's personal, George, with those fans. That fan base, absolutely personal. Oh, all right. So we got weather involved. We got injuries involved. We got a quarterback question involved as well, George. With all that said, it's interesting. So we were texting back and forth Sunday after the podcast, and you texted me right away when the betting lines came out, Ravens minus eight. We was like, oh, that makes sense, you know. Now, all of a sudden, as we're sitting here Thursday morning, that's a half point. Don't get me wrong. It's not a drastic line change. But now it's Ravens minus seven and a half. As we get to our game picks, George, and as we look to continue the win streak and continue to stay perfect, you are 2-0. I am 2-0. You look at just before you even give our picks, George, are you surprised, though, that this line, I guess, is trending even with the Colts quarterback uh, right now uncertain? Are you surprised that, again, it's a half point, don't get me wrong, so it's not a big, you know, drastic change, but are you surprised this line is trending down and not going the other way in the Ravens' favor with, again, Anthony Richardson's status and obviously missing practice, at least on Wednesday, his status up in the air? Yeah, you know, I, I think the the natural feeling would be that it, it would start moving towards the Ravens uh, if Richardson doesn't look like he's going to go. And obviously uh, the the early sign here was not good. Uh, this week, we'll see how that plays out. We talked about that in the opening. You know, there's there's still a lot there to do. But uh, I think from – it does surprise me. But I also wonder how much this has to do with, you know, those numbers that, that uh, Jonas threw out there. You know, 2 and 15 for rookie quarterbacks here. Maybe the half point is the idea that you don't have a rookie quarterback going to Baltimore. Maybe you're you're better off in the eyes of the bookies. The Minshew effect. You know what? If I'm Chris Ballard and the Jets come calling for Gardner Minshew, I say, you know what? Hey, look, this guy is changing lines in Vegas. I want another, you know, that's another round higher in draft capital. If they're saying a fourth round pick, well, now he's at least a half point difference. Make it a third round pick. The Minshew, the Minshew effect there, George, jack up the price if they do come calling. Which, hey, this is, this is a big game for him. He plays well. You can get a first round. Colts can get a first round pick for him. Why, why, why not two? Rebuild the Colts right now. Minshew to the Jets <laughs> for Sauce Gardner. Jonathan Taylor to the Browns for Miles Garrett. And then you just book the Super Bowl trip. Off you go. I think if you were the GM, a statue would be built outside Lucas Oil Stadium before the next home game. If you make those two <laughs> trades tomorrow. There would also be an NFL investigation <laughs> into what exactly went into these moves. Hey, whatever <laughs> it takes. Whatever it takes, <laughs> Whatever it takes to get a nice bronze statue uh, in the heart of the city, I think that would that would be well well worth it. Well, there was it. a there was a ton of misinformation on on social media yesterday concerning the Bears, but if those two trades happen, there might actually be FBI raids at the uh, Browns and Jets facilities to figure out what what went on there. What? Or maybe your house, if you're the one executing the trades. What are you offering? That these two teams could not say no to. I don't even know what I have. That that would be really interesting. What could I possibly give those two teams to make those deals happen? I mean, they're fair deals to me. If Gardner Mitchell going to Baltimore and win, like 
That's true. Wouldn't you rather have a, a, an elite quarterback on your team versus an elite corner? I I would take that every day. Clearly. Clearly. And for Clearly. the Browns, you'd rather have an elite running back than an elite defensive end. Yeah, on I paper, mean, like nothing, nothing logic, fishy here. Logic dictates these moves. They need to happen. Nothing more. Nothing more than just some good old football logic as to why both the Jets and Browns say yes to these hypothetical trades. But all right, George, we are joking. But seriously, hey, look, if Gardner Minshew plays well, that that uh, trade stock could go up. Are we predicting a big effort here from Indy? Seven and a half point dogs of Coltar going to Baltimore here. The official 2-0, soon to be 3-0. George Premer prediction is? I'm going to say the Colts cover, but don't win. I'm going to go 21-17 Baltimore. I think it's going to be a sloppy game. Looks that way right now. You know, that it's going to be a sloppy game. But I think in the end, uh, similar to what we saw in week one with Jacksonville, I think the Ravens experience will, will win out. We were on the same page a lot last year. That was a bad thing. We've mm-hmm. been on the same page so far this year. That's been a good thing. If it ain't broke, George, don't fix it. I'm with you in the sense that I think the Ravens do win this game, but the Colts do cover. You're saying 21-17. I'm going even to go a little bit lower scoring. I'm going to go 17-13. 17-13, Ravens win, but the Colts do make it a game. I think the weather is going to be a great equalizer like we've been talking about where the rain, slippery, wet conditions do favor the Colts and do give them um, a little bit more of an advantage. I do think the injuries right now for Baltimore are starting to add up. Two offensive linemen missing for them. Secondary is a mash unit completely. Um and so, you know, we talked about last week with the with the Texans offense line to who's who of who the hell is playing. Same thing right now with the Ravens secondary. Rocky Scene is back. That should be a little bit fun to see a, an old friend uh, back on the field. But whether it is Minshew, whether it is Richardson, this still should be a game where the Colts should be in without a doubt. I think a fast start will happen for this team coming out of the gates. But in the end, like I said, I think the Ravens are a very well-coached team. I don't think the hangover will last the entire game. Even the Colts got to a good start. I think you know the Ravens will kind of come to maybe get a little smelling salts in the locker room, wake up after halftime, but sloppy um, game where not a lot of offense is going to be had. 17-13, I think the Ravens do win, but the Colts do cover and still at least in a season where wins and losses don't matter, George, still continue to be competitive and still continue to be entertaining in this game and do make it a, a close and more of a slobber knocker, a slobber knocker sort of a sort of game here in Baltimore. So we're both on the Colts to cover both on the Ravens to win, and both have a little bit more of a lower-scoring, grinded-out sort of game. Should be interesting. Should be a very interesting and fun game, George, to uh, to say the least. But uh, with that said, appreciate you joining us right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. That's where you could find George and I after the game on Sunday, reacting to everything from that Week 3 matchup here a post game exclusive on YouTube is what we've been doing. We'll, we will be doing every single game this season live after the game. George is not going to be in Baltimore, which means game ends 15 minutes later. Boom. We're on your phone. We're on your laptop. We're on your tablet or on your smart TV. If you really want to blow us up and look at us in your living room. So subscribe. You'll get the alert right after the game is over. We will be live breaking it all down. Very excited for it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Sunday after the game right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.